Farmers today are facing rising costs, volatile markets, and extreme weather. The Better Way to Farm podcast digs into strategies to help you take control of farm inputs and maximize profit so your farm can thrive for generations. Remember to take advantage of our free resources at abetterwaytofarm.com. Now, from America's Heartland, here's your host. Hey guys, Rod here at A Better Way to Farm, where we increase yields and improve profits. Merry Christmas, it's day eight. We're on the eighth day of the 12 Days of Nutrients series, and I hope you're finding value in this. Today we're going to do copper, and I'm excited about this. Copper is a rarely used and often needed micronutrient, and we're going to talk about some of the things around it here. Let's start with what it does. It catalyzes several plant processes. It has a major function in photosynthesis. It has a major function in reproductive stages. It has an indirect role in chlorophyll production. It increases the sugar content. We're going to come back to that. It intensifies color. So obviously, if your wife's looking for a little tip to make her flowers get brighter, a very low dose of archelated copper is a really good idea when you foliar feed that on. It improves the flavor of fruits and vegetables, and it is really responsible. It helps a lot with plant health. And so as we look at those things, there's a lot of reasons to look at it. Again, we do not want to be just shotgunning it. We don't want to be saying, okay, we need to do copper indiscriminately. I'm going to talk about an example of somebody who did that here in a little bit, but it is not what we want to do. As we look at what Midwest has to say about copper, they come in, they talk about all the micronutrients here on page 68, 69. Copper becomes less available as your pH goes up. However, in soils with a high organic matter, the availability of copper may be more closely associated with the organic matter content than the pH. Soils high in organic matter, especially your muck soils, contain a very tight hold on copper and thus availability is decreased. Crops frequently respond to copper applications on soils in high organic matter. And so that's kind of a, a little tip there. If you guys are, I work with some of you guys who are doing some muck soils and, and I know that, you know, this is one of the things that you need to take a look at and, and see what it'll do for you there. Maybe even some experimental things above and beyond the soil test might be in your best interest. As we look at the Fertilizer Institute's fertility handbook, one of the things that it really drove home to me was that Copper is contained in several important enzymes in plants. It's involved in photosynthesis and chlorophyll formation. Cereal crops are more sensitive to low levels than other crops. Oftentimes, one of the things that you'll see as a deficiency is a yellowing in between the leaf veins. It sort of kind of mimics a manganese deficiency because it's going to be in the new growth because it doesn't translocate very well. And But it tends to be more of a blue-green than just of a yellow that you'll see. Again, annual applications are required on are usually required on highly organic soils because the copper will be held tightly in those. Here's the thing. Synthetic chelates are about three to five times as effective as inorganic sources. Natural organic complexes are somewhat less effective than synthetic chelates. Guys, chelates are your friend, and they're really your friend in your quest to take care of of your copper need. As we start looking at some of the deficiencies, I'm getting this out of the Western book, but I have another source that I ran across in my reading yesterday or last night. Again, they talk about it being an activator of other elements in the plant. 
It promotes the formation of vitamin A. It appears to have a regulating function in regarding when soil nitrogen is too high and excess of copper is very toxic. And the industry has got very hung up on that. Oh, copper's toxic. Guys, I come back, I say it again. Water's toxic too, but we need some, okay? And it's about using what we need, not getting it to the toxic level. And we do that with a soil test. That's not hard to do. Symptoms. The foliage and the other plants can exhibit a chloritic condition, giving it kind of a bleached appearance. And if it's in citrus, you get areas of dieback. And so obviously what we're looking at is that new growth with some kind of a symbol of a symptom there that's showing us discoloration and intervenal chlorosis, if you will. And we want to make sure that we're addressing that. And a tissue test is still our best friend. That's how we're going to confirm these things. Trivia question from someone else. How do you know if your corn plant has a copper deficiency? In mature stands, copper deficiency can be seen in purplish brown patches. I've seen this and didn't realize what I was looking at. I just saw, just learned this deal last night. But going forward, I'm gonna be able to recognize that a copper deficiency can show up as a purplish brown patch, which are signs of melanosis. In corn, the deficiency appears in the new leaves just as they come out of the whorl and they develop a bluish green tint. New leaves may emerge from the whorl as spiraled. And I've seen that a lot and I thought that that was calcium because I know calcium makes that, that plant not unfold. It makes it a whip, if you will. The whorl doesn't let go. But actually, if it's a spiral as it's coming out of the whorl, that's probably a copper deficiency. And necrosis may occur on older leaf tips and edges, and they may actually die off. And so a copper deficiency can be very severe, it can be very costly, and it sets us up for a lot of other things. When we're low on copper, we invite other problems to come into our life, and we don't want to do that. Copper also, according to the life and energy in the soil, is the key to elasticity in a plant as well as mold control. So it's gonna help with standability. And guys, adequate copper helps reduce the mold problems. Again, every nutrient serves a purpose and there is no such thing as a one nutrient cure. We have to be looking at what we've gotta to do to get the whole thing right. And copper is a piece of that picture. Don Schriefer in his book, From the Soil Up, wrote a pretty good section in here on copper. I'm just gonna share part of it with you and I'm gonna then I'm gonna compare that to table 167 or the table of ratings from uh, the boys out at, at Midwest Labs. Copper has been almost totally ignored in general agriculture. And yet, it plays an extremely important role in the plant's reproductive stages and in photosynthesis. In the past, copper served as a fungicide and it was used extensively in orchards and specialty crops. With this practice, excesses were more common than deficiencies. Guys, copper still being used as a fungicide. Look at your fungicide labels and see how many of them have some kind of copper in there. We're gonna tell you that it doesn't do anything towards helping with uh, keeping the funguses away, and yet they keep putting it in there, which indicates to me there's a reason. Schrieffer said he set the soil level standards for copper between two and three parts per million, two being the minimum, working towards three. Soil test levels throughout the Midwest are generally less than two parts per million on the copper and tissue tests for soybeans often reflecting the lower soils. This trend is seen also in corn and small grains. Again, he talks about the fact that he would not recommend the broadcast application of chelates as building the soil levels. We don't either. 
We do not want to try and do that. Now, if I look at the table of ratings from Midwest Labs here, and they talk about, again, not dependent upon CEC because it's not a cation. It's also not very mobile in the soil, so it tends to stay where you put it. But they are saying you're not in the high range on copper until you get to 1.3 to 2.5, very high at 2.5. A lot of these guys that I'm reading actually would like to see the at least at three. And so as we start looking at that, knowing that we need to get those elements up, get that, that level up of this element, we want to make sure we're doing the right thing and, and working towards that. However, we don't want to broadcast it. This is a product that is designed as chelated copper, is designed to be foliar fed and designed to be row placed. But guys, it's got to be done according to the soil test or the tissue test. There's something in this next book I want to share with you that came out of someone who probably shouldn't have been talking when they were talking. And I'll explain what I mean by that here just in a minute. As we get into hands-on agronomy, and it's guys, you can't separate the nutrients. They're all important. And so let's take a look at this. Anytime there is a shortage of potassium, manganese, or copper, a weak stock will be the observed result. So potassium, manganese, copper, we're going to get a weak stock if any of those are missing. High potassium levels tie up manganese. High nitrogen ties up copper. Now, nitrogen is important, and it makes copper go into the plant up to a point. But when it gets too high, it ties it up. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to let that be tied up because we're putting on too much in. One more reason to not overutilize nitrogen. And we just keep coming across those over and over and over again. He talks in here that he hits it again, that excessive amounts of nitrogen tie up copper. And copper is what confers stock strength to the plant. We've got to make sure we're getting that good stock strength. We've got to make sure we're not using too much nitrogen because using too much nitrogen is never our friend. It always comes back to bite us, and it's an abject waste of money. I know that a lot of people, the way they figured out their nitrogen rate was they just said, put a lot on. I don't want to be deficient, and I understand I don't want to be deficient either, but I don't want to be excessive. Excessive waste money doesn't create yield, brings in plant health issues, and gets nitrogen into the waterways, and that's going to bring regulation. If we don't regulate ourselves, someone else is going to do it for us. Following just after manganese on our test is the reported copper level. When it comes right down to it, information on whether or not a farmer should be trying to increase the copper level in his soils is very confusing. For example, one Midwestern University Extension publication from the 70s reads, the amount of copper available for plant growth is not adequately known as a reliable soil test for copper does not exist. Now here's the funny part. And then the author goes on to recommend how much copper you should use on a particular crop anyway. He just said there's no test. He doesn't know what to do, but he makes a recommendation anyway. Guys, all of this is incorrect. I still got people saying, I don't want to do micronutrients because the soil test for micronutrients is not very accurate. If you're running the wrong kind of test, that is correct. But if your test is doing DTPA extraction, it's very spot on and our recommendations result in yield gain. Guys, that's the bottom line. Are we getting yield response and a positive ROI? And that's what we do. Even though he didn't understand the test, he just went ahead to say, here's what you need. When it comes to micronutrient use, much of the same thing still goes on today. There are a lot of people working blind. 
They're not working off of a chest. They're just giving it their best shot saying, do this. It's 25 pounds of sulfur. That's what you need. It's two pints of zinc. That's what you need. Guys, those blanket recommendations are never going to work. These three products in one jug, they're exactly what you need. And what you need in Illinois is just what they need in Minnesota and what they need in central Nebraska. That's not true. You don't even have three fields that have exactly the same need, let alone three different states. And so are they getting a yield response? Yeah, probably because we're so deficient across the United States in micros that the odds are one of those is a limiting factor and will get you a yield response. But would it make more sense to maybe do a test and just put on exactly what we need, no more, no less? Copper is a micronutrient needed in small amounts when compared to NPK, sulfur, and limestone. All of these nutrients are needed in adequate amounts before trying to increase your capabilities with trace elements. Problems can occur due to heavy applications of nitrogen or high amounts of phosphate in the soil. Either of those can reduce copper availability. So if you're, I talked to someone the other day and they were working with a guy and he wouldn't even say what his phosphorus levels were, but he said his P1 was just ultra very high. That's making copper availability pretty tough. High pH also will do it. Drought conditions will intensify any copper problems. Also, excessive zinc in the soil can lead to a serious copper deficiency. All of the nutrients interact with each other, and too much of one, thinking we're just going to put on one nutrient, a lot of it, and that's going to be the key to life. That's not the key to life. And we want to make sure we're doing what we need when we need. Copper is essential to chlorophyll formation. As we said, it's important to reproductive stages and meaning better seed production. It helps increase the sugar content. Guys, what do we got? We got acres of ground that are soil that is producing sugar. They're sugar factories. 300 bushel corn, 30,000 pounds of sugar to the acre is what we have to build. 100 bushel soybeans, we need 30,000 pounds of sugar to the acre. Copper increases sugar. Would it not make sense that it would increase yield? Copper will increase your stock strength in combination with adequate potassium and manganese, which enables crops to withstand higher rates of nitrogen without lodging problems. In this regard, copper seems to increase the uptake efficiency of plants receiving ammonium forms of nitrogen. So having copper there makes your ammonium go in better. And we know that corn plants, especially later in their life, they prefer the ammonium form of in. Let's get it a way to get in there and carry it in faster. And so I just want to encourage you guys that all of the nutrients, they do tie up. They do wrap together. We want to make sure that we're getting it correct. Again, anything below two parts per million means deficient. Five is excellent, but 10 is still not considered as excessive. Rare is the person who has excessive copper. So we want to make sure we're getting that in there in the rates that we want it and making it work. Again, copper gives resilience to a plant, and we want to make sure that our plants are as resilient as they can be, that they are not lacking in something and therefore suffering for health because of it. Copper doesn't move in the soil. If you see a copper deficiency at all, it is a lot like sulfur, and it, is, it shows deficiency in the youngest growth first. And adequate nitrogen means better uptake, but too much nitrogen decreases the availability. And so we really want to be careful here because it's all the good things in moderation, according to the test, doing it the right way to make sure that we're not overusing something, which will always result in a deficiency of something else. Copper tends to release and remain available, tends to release slowly, 
and remain available, but good microbial activity in the aerobic zone seems to help provide a more even distribution. Guys, the bugs in your soil make copper work better. So what do we gotta do? Number one, we don't wanna do things that hurt that bug life. We don't wanna do things that kill the microbial activity. And number two, we wanna do everything that we can to make them as healthy as possible because that will provide a better distribution of copper. Without further information, the expense of building copper in a subsoil may not be cost effective because of the lack of microorganisms. So again, we can put a lot of nutrient on, but if we haven't done the right things, that single nutrient fix is not ever gonna work. And if we don't do the right things, it may not give us anything at all. Guys, there's a lot of ways to meet a copper need. And as I, I go around and I see people, I went to a field day one time, and there was a guy there who, he was one of the people that basically had a problem for every solution, and he had a comment for everything that you said, just always whispering, whisper, whisper, whisper. And he came up to the partner, so as a matter of fact, he said that, he was very lucky because his dad could walk across your soil and tell you exactly what nutrients you need and exactly how much. And I wish I had that talent. I call it the lane of hands agronomy, but I don't, I don't have that. And I don't think anybody else does either. We're going to have to come in and take a test. We're going to have to run those tests the way they should be to get the answers to what we need. And when we do that, we're going to make a difference. So what he was saying was he was subscribing to the pound is a pound the world around. And so it didn't matter what form of copper you put on, just throw some on there, find the cheapest stuff you could and go for it. And I happened to have six pennies in my pocket that day. I only have two today, but I had six pennies in my pocket. And I said, that's interesting. So you, you believe a pound is a pound of the world? I said, absolutely. It makes no difference what form is in, doesn't matter. And I took my six pennies and I just flung them out into the cornfield. And I said, so you think that right there would be just as good as chelated copper in the seed trench? He got very quiet. And the fact of the matter, guys, is a pound is not a pound the world around. And you don't believe it. And I can prove it. Because if a pound is a pound the world around, nobody would be driving green tractors because they're pound for pound, they're very expensive. There are a lot of brands that you can buy for less money by the pound. But the fact of the matter is you believe that there are differences in quality. You believe there are differences in manufacturing styles. You believe that that there is not a pound is a pound the world around. And yet sometimes in nutrients, we want to go buy the cheapest junk crap we can find and hope that it works. Just throw a lot of it out there. Guys, put it on in the form. Let's use the right product, the right place, the right source, the right rate. You know, put everything on at the right time. And when we do that, great things are going to happen. Copper, foliar fed in the seed trench is going to be your friend. If you'd like some more information on this, we'd love for you to reach out. 641-919-1206. You can send a text. You can give me a call. And as always, I really hope you're having a great holiday season. Today it was Merry Christmas. I hope you've got some Christmas shirt that you love. We'll be anxious to see what we have left in the old drawer as we jump into day number nine, and we're going to take a look at iron. Thanks for tuning in. We really do hope you guys are having a better day. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.